0: For more information about the movement sessions, the food, the center, head to my website, nutritiousmovement.com retreat. That's nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. This is Katie B., and you are about to listen to an early episode of my podcast. Now the show is called The Move Your DNA Podcast, and you can find all episode transcripts and the show notes to this episode at nutritiousmovement.com podcast.
1: Enjoy. Hey there. Welcome to the Katie Says Podcast. This is the fourth in a series of special episodes we call Between the Lines, where Katie Bowman and Stephanie
0: Domet explore the deeper messages in and connections between Katie Bowman's books. I'm Katie Bowman. I'm a biomechanist and author of Movie or DNA, among other books. And I am Stephanie Domet, a chronically curious writer and
1: radio journalist. Katie, tell me about the best thing about your summer so far.
0: The warmth. (laughs) Just being warm. I really enjoyed being warm and being outside. Yeah, Yeah, in all different forms, whether it's just reading outside or backpacking. Those qualities of of summer are my favorite. What about you? Oh, absolutely. Me too. I can spend the whole day out in the garden Mm. reading
1: or working or pulling weeds or staring. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then the beach, the beach is kind of my spiritual home. I think
0: I grew up on the beach, but I don't have one here. I never Mm. had the mountains before though. So I have turned into a mountain person. Nice. Isn't isn't that funny to convert? Like I, I can't imagine living. I never thought I could live without a beach. And now I, I'm fine without a beach. I just can't imagine living without the mountains. You're just blooming where you're planted. Exactly.
1: Now, I asked my 11-year-old niece this question, and she did not have an answer for me. This is not how she thinks, but I feel like you're going to have an answer for this. <laughs> what are your goals this summer? Like, you know, how many books are you hoping to read or what physical feat are you keen to explore? How many pounds of blueberries do you want to preserve or whatever?
0: That's funny. I don't think I have. I am normally such an achievement driven person. I would say I like to create new things or complete tasks, but I am not like, I don't have, with the exception of like second grade where we got a like a, a little, <laughs> a little uh, construction paper, small book for every 25 pages that we would read in the summer. I think that was the last summer reading goal I had, which was, you know, to gather as many of those little books as possible so I could be obnoxious and staple them halfway across the room when I came <laughs> back in. But other than that, no, I've actually been even reading hardly at all. Ooh. I have read Animal Vegetable Miracle, which is... Oh, yes. The Barbara Kingsolver book. I read that book probably once a year. Yeah, it's a good one. And I've been meandering through that. But really, I've just been taking a break. I mean, I've been working nice. a lot, but I've been taking a break from... Having really to do anything, so very few books. I think I'm kind of doing the reading all books like they're short story books. Like, oh, well, I'll just read two pages of this and then set it down. <laughs> I always have four or five. I've always had four or five books going at a time where I just mm. read two or three paragraphs or two or three pages of one, and then I think because I do that, maybe that's how I connect a lot of different ideas because I mm. don't really dive into one. I kind of get a smidge of one and and read something else. I'm like this is amazing here are two books written 100 years apart or or on the other side of the planet by people with completely different backgrounds and they're saying the same thing. So that's that's my style for summer reading and it's kind of my style. I'm like going to the garden, but I'm like spending two minutes on my peas and then I pluck a couple weeds over here on this, like meandering. I don't know what meandering and doing 3% of a task before you switch to another. <laughs> t- I don't know what that's called, but that's... <laughs> That is what my summer has been like so far. It sounds heavenly. It sounds like an old-fashioned childhood kind of summer
1: yeah, where you, you just kind of follow your nose. And I didn't
0: have that kind of childhood. I mm. had a go-to-work, non-childhood childhood. And so that, really? might exactly, that might be where I am right now in this. I'm just going to lay on this blanket under this tree and see what shadow pictures the leaves make. Like, that's the kind of thing I'm doing, which I've never done before in my life.
1: That sounds glorious. Okay, we should, we should talk specifically about your books. The last time we were together, we talked at length about Move Your DNA. And I have been really sitting with that conversation ever since and, and really thinking about it in getting ready to have this conversation. This week, we're going to talk about dynamic aging. Okay. So Dynamic Aging came out uh, a few months ago, March 1st, 2017. It was featured on the Today Show about 30 days after its publication date and, <laughs> and became a huge bestseller uh, and is soon going to be published in German and Czech and English in the UK. Uh, so it's no wonder that you're wanting to have a kind of meandering summer. You had a very busy winter. So congratulations on
0: all of that. Yeah. And I don't think that it's, it's like PR isn't, it isn't something that just happens and like you sit back and go, oh, that was great. It just it it, it creates way more work than you were planning. Right. You're like, okay, this book will come out and I'll kind of meander through PR and do. And it's like, no, it's like you're flying twice across the United States and 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 a lot of emails. It it created quite a bit of work. And then the demand of what happens when you sell all those books is then you have to print more books. And those are all operational transaction. And it's like updating and oh. It was uh, intense. It hasn't even been that long. That book feels that it has not been out very long, but that book feels like it's been out for years just because of the amount of work was kind of pressed right into the first 90 days that it came out. The amount of work you'd normally do over 18 months like happened in 90 days. So yeah, that was was great. I just, in knowing that we would have this conversation, I picked it up again and I love that book. I really Mm -hmm. love that book. It's different.
1: Than my others, and
0: so I'm glad we're going to talk about
1: it. What do you think it is about this book that's
0: resonating so hard? Well, it's kind of like my other book, Diastasis Recti, where it's a book written for a large population of people where no other book really has existed before. Mm. You know, Dynamic Age, I mean, there are certainly books written, like senior fitness books, like there are certainly some of those books and we know this because we were looking at cover <laughs> we did lots samples. Of research. <laughs> yes, and we're looking at how do you do a cover design, and and the pictures are all the same. It doesn't matter if the book was you know printed five years ago or twenty five years ago. The cover is the same. It's like older adults in in like eighties workout wear. I mean, I think mm-hmm. we actually saw headbands on a lot of people, and like holding three pound weights. One person was always sitting in a chair. Like there was just this kind of familiar messaging. And so I think dynamic aging, one, it it wasn't that tired stereotype of a book. And two, the message was really different. I think instead of saying, hey, seniors, would you like to keep exercising? Here's some modified exercises. It was like, hey, everybody. We're all getting older. All of us are aging. How does this whole, we're a sedentary culture, how does that message look when you get 50 or 60 or 70? And what if the things that we attribute to aging, the inevitable decline in our body as a result of our chronological age, what if it's not that at all? What if we are simply looking at how a sedentary population ages out? And and how would someone? who is 60 or 70 or 80 or 90 be able to take the messaging that's in alignment matters or movie or DNA or movement matters? How would they, given that those messages are for everybody, what kind of considerations would you need to hold or have before you started working on these same same things that maybe your 20-year-old grandchild who is also a college-level athlete They brought home this book like this is amazing. And you're like, great, I would love to do that, but I'm too old. Like this book was really written to be shared up Mm -hmm. and shared down and shared wide by people who are coming in with from one of those other key portals and say she's tailored this message and the exercises and the environment just for you in a way that and here's what makes it different in a way that other people have already done and you can see what it looks like 10 years later which none of the other books have. None of the other books have such in-depth testimonials of someone who you would think could not do the things that I'm about to suggest that you do and, and share their their journeys, their narratives. And so that's what makes it different is is you will be escorted. So that the person who gets the book will be escorted through other people's experiences. It's not as instructional as my other books or not only instructional, it's also I mean, is it a narrative? You know, literature more than I do. It's not. I mean, it's a someone's journey. So, a memoir. Is it a movement memoir?
1: Almost. A it. Bit? It definitely has elements of movement memoir. I would say, thanks to your your four co authors who uh, who are all in their all in their seventies. One is eighty now. She turned eighty as the book was being published, and so their stories alongside. I would say, definitely give it that that narrative memoir flair. We'll say, in mm-hmm. addition to the exercise programs and the and the information about you know what what more movement might look like in, yeah. a, in a life that maybe hasn't had much.
0: Right. And also they're giving movement instruction. I mean, these, mm-hmm. these women have, you know, gone through our certification program and are now teaching their peers from a position of, I took this training, like they are passing on this, this information and teaching movement classes. And so they have unique perspectives on, On the exercises that I cannot have because my experience doesn't afford me that perspective yet. I mean, I can put myself in many different people's shoes, which you do when you're writing an exercise book. You know, you would call it a modification. Like what would someone who's pregnant need to do or what would Mm -hmm. someone. But but until you've actually been in those physiological states, you cannot embody their full experience and so we just let them like well how would you teach this exercise and like well we teach it like this because x y and z so that stuff i think is priceless you know that you're that you are getting you are getting their perspectives in addition to mine which makes it extremely robust i think
1: yeah it's very deep in that way Mm -hmm. Hmm. The thing that really struck me, especially in light of our conversation about Move Your DNA, as I was rereading Dynamic Aging to prepare for this conversation, was this paragraph, which is right up front. It's in the, it's in the introduction to Dynamic Aging. Um, and it was about how researchers were able to improve walking speed and the time spent in the balance phase of walking simply by using positive reinforcement. Can you say a little bit about about that study?
0: Yeah, that was – it was a study done in Stanford. So it was – I think the way the study went, the the experiment was set up like this. They had they're filming people walking in and out of the experiment space. And so from that video, you can see you can you can analyze people's gates really from everything. I mean, we're analyzing not we, but gates are being analyzed from satellites to identify different people at this point. That's how wow. that's how that's how unique your gate is to you that it tells a lot about your history. Anyway, they, they would have these groups of people. And if I, if I recall, they are, the group that they were measuring was like 62 to 86. So that's the the group that they were having come in and play these video games, 30 minutes of video games. And they would monitor how they walked in and then how they left. They would measure their gait. And they had two groups, and one group was given subliminal messaging where, like, the words are just flashed, like, beyond really your perception. And embedded within the exact same video game, the messages were either senile, elderly, fragile, dangerous, you know, these, like, kind of words reinforcing the stereotype. So they were reinforcing the aging stereotype that you were be worried, you were frail, you were old. And then in the other video game, they embedded words like strong, balanced, agile, wise, astute, you know, like they were, they they took, I think, like the positive and negative word for each kind of concept. And so the idea was if we negatively reinforce this aging stereotype, how do people behave physically after that? And they found that in the group where they were reinforcing the positive attributes and and saying you are actually strong, you are balanced, that when they left their gait, their gait was changed to be more stable, to be more balanced. And they use that by monitoring the swing phase, which is how long it takes really for between steps. And so people were taking longer steps and they could find that correlation just simply between word choices. And I put it right up front and it's like there has been so much thought, into the word choices. I mean, beyond just communicating an idea well, which every author is doing. I mean, the idea that you will not see the word senior, elderly. And I put that in the front. I said, these women, they have removed these words from their vocabulary. When we talked about writing this book, they're like, here's the book that we want to read as this group. We don't want another book written to us saying silver <laughs> and <laughs> and old and and so we had to come up with a term though because you are referring to a group that is regularly researched. And so we came up with Goldener. And I've done a couple interviews, which we could maybe even link to in the show notes. Yeah. Where like the California Department of Aging, I'm not sure if that's their exact title, but people who are monitoring for this population this goldener population laws that are coming out that influence them they interviewed me on this book and he's like i really believe that goldener might be the word of the future like <laughs> without realizing it everything kind of in our government structure language wise is reinforcing frail old outdated like we don't have any sort of celebration and so language to me that's that's also a very very powerful part of this book because it means that if if that other literature is to be expanded or applicable beyond that one experiment, we've filled a book full of reinforcing just how capable you are or are about to become. You know, we, we've we used a lot of messaging, you know, there's not like, pick up everything in your house because it might hurt you, you know, warning, mm. warning, warning. And uh, understanding that that there's a cautiousness or an alertness that you develop through moving more, but that that's different than being afraid and perpetuating fear. And so dynamic aging to me is a very positive. You have got this. You are right on your normal biological pathway for a human. We are all aging together. Here are just some things that you can start doing for more robusticity. So I like the positive positivity of, of dynamic aging, I think that that is also part of what makes it stand out as a as a book for the goldener population.
1: For me, there's a, a resonance with a line in Move Your DNA that we talked about last time, which is, "Our bodies are capable of amazing feats if our minds agree to cooperate." Mm-hmm. Is that you know, is is putting this study up front and being really mindful about that language and choosing you know the word goldener instead of senior, is that dynamic aging's version of your body is capable of amazing feats if you're, if your mind is willing to cooperate.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, dynamic aging is about changing your mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, your mind changes first. It's about shifting paradigms almost a little bit and how much more movement. I mean, not just the paradigm of, you know, exercise less, move more, but this idea that you are not de- like the decline that you're seeing isn't about your age. Like it is not this inevitable piece that we've kind of, been led to believe simply through language or through or how questions are like how studies are phrased again the language choice of a study it's very difficult to delineate between age and between years that you've had a habit and i think there was there was a study that came out i don't know like 2 or 3 years ago about bunions and that bunions are i, I can't remember exactly the title of it but it, again it was on twitter everything's on twitter <laughs> it said something like you know studies show that that bunions are increased with your age. Mm-hmm. And then they had, you know, all these things that spun off. So like you can expect to see them in older populations because it's just something that goes hand in hand with aging. And I, you know, piped in, in my 140 characters or whatever saying that how you phrase it right now isn't doing a very good job of delineating between years of habit and how old someone is how how long like what are the shoe wearing and the gait habits of these people and for how many years which are almost impossible to gather like you can't it would be very hard, challenging to interview someone and have them accurately provide a recount of how many steps they took and in what shoes and for how many years and what were the models like where you can't actually do the rigorous work of determining geometry But everyone can get their age right. And so we keep going to these simple measures and then we come up with these headlines and then slowly we create a culture that just expects failure, physical failure to be happening. And and in fact, you know, is just saying, you know, it's fine that it's happening. Like, so it's almost like to me, it's like a continuous disempowerment through the difficulty of breaking down what's actually happening. And so we just go to this, this kind of, easy to publish stuff that then what do you end up with? You get a bunch of people who say, well, I'm old. I have bunions. I'm right on track. The science says that I'm going to have this. And it's like, there's nothing I can do about this. Right. Right. And so, yes, the language is to change your mind to say, "Eh, we don't really know what's age and what's length of habit. But because you don't know, it's equally either one of those. It's not Mostly going to be age simply because someone chose those words to put in a study. It's equally open to either. And here's what we know about physiology. And here's what we know from other studies about how people can adapt and change. And so, why don't you just do these moves here and then start seeing how that's working for you? A little bit more empowering and to help get over that hump of, you know, because we do have this kind of sedentary nature to help override, like if you're interested in data, like why don't you start collecting data on yourself? Why don't you see what your feet are doing? Have you never stretched your toes? Why don't you try that right now? Oh, you could do in two minutes something that you couldn't do before. Okay, now now we're in a conversation kind mm-hmm. of through a book. So yes, it was deliberate to put that up front because when you do have habits for such a long time, there's an inertia that is reinforced, I think, by your mindset. I, I think of, the number of years that you've had a particular gait pattern, you can think of your thoughts as also like a pattern of thinking and that it is it is more ingrained by frequency. And so the mind has to be almost jump-started, I would say, right at the beginning. So I just wanted to get that, get that out there in the introduction. You note that Dynamic
1: Aging isn't a book that suggests, hey, you should start walking. Why isn't it
0: that book? For that reason that I just mentioned, which is, if we consider that that overarching thing of all books, move more and move more of you, Hmm. the move more, I would say, is more feasible when you have more mobilities available to you. you. When you have less mobility available to you, your move more can quickly become kind of a repetitive use injury. When you have someone who's been stiff like since they were 40 or 50 and they're now 60, that's like 20 years of using a particular gait habit. So if you start with the move more versus the move more of you, then for that person who's already not moving because the way that they moved was so narrow that it kind of eked out certain growths of neuromas or pockets of inflammation or whatever to move more isn't really great. It's potentially, I would say, taking someone down the path of them just going on those old, in my mind, I think of like a groove. There's like a groove in the sidewalk and they just kind of etch back and forth on that groove. So the feasibility of moving more when you're very stiff and kind of in pain in a lot of places is very low. So someone's like, yeah, I already know I'm supposed to move more. That's not going to help me. What are things that you're transitioning, right? You're transitioning. We are imagining this person as being someone somewhat sedentary, maybe even an exerciser though, who still was having these like seven or eight ailments that kept creeping up in their life regularly. So instead of going with the move more, which is that movement matters portal that we were talking about last time was going more to the alignment matters, which is why don't you just, while you're sitting there doing what you're ever, whatever you're doing, (laughs) just think about your toes, where's right. your head, you know? And so that you started with these subtle, but more frequent moves that when you get to the, the next chapters or or moves that help you find muscles that better support larger moves. You know, I can tell someone to move more, but if they don't have very balanced gait, the outcomes of that aren't fantastic, potentially. I would rather have someone spend a couple of weeks finding a straight leg and and some develop some skill in their lateral hips so now when they're walking they're not falling, which then makes the next step of now we're going to walk a little bit more all that more nourishing for them and reduce the risk at the same time. So I am super mindful of telling a population that has, you know statistically, less balance maybe less awareness less mobility just to go out and start moving more it's like we're going to refine your movement while you're while you're not doing such large transfers of your body a to b and then we're going to go up to that next step that's that's why is i i have i've been working with when i was in graduate school i ran a whole at that time it was (laughs) it's in the gerontology department like Uh, if that's not a terrible choice yeah (laughs) Like, you're like, oh, it's just yes. Right. So yeah. I, I led this program as part of, you know, when you're going through your program, you're, you're teaching and working with different populations. And this was one population that we worked that I worked on. And I really, really enjoyed working with this particular population, mostly because I found the people coming to class were super keen in their health and moving longer. I just found the tools to be somewhat lackluster. I mean, we were up there doing like balloon volleyball Mm -hmm. just to keep them moving was the overall thing. We just need to keep this population moving. And I was like, that's great. I would like to get this population moving better, not just to keep them moving while their mobility was still declining, but like specifically target why their mobility was declining. That was more of interest to me. So I started doing some of these programs early on, and I found this to be the most successful way, not to bring them out and to to make the exercises they had always done easier. Like maybe you had a bunch of volleyball athletes or basketball players, and then now give them balloons so that they can move slower and have slower reflexive time. But actually work those things back so they could get their response time back and become more agile and more balanced rather than I felt it was pandering almost the other way hmm. so I valued what I learned there but I, I found that I that we could actually improve their overall outcomes not just how much they moved during about you know when they came down to the university to exercise with us of doing it this other way of going, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a stronger base. I'm going to give you a literally larger base. You're going to spread your toes. You now have a larger base of support and surprise. You had that the whole time. Your base of support is determined by how mobile your feet are. Hmm. You don't have to add a cane to increase your base of support. You can spread your toes. Oh, your shoes don't allow you to spread your toes. Interesting. (laughs) Do you want to get a different pair of shoes? Maybe because your shoes are reinforcing your narrow base of support. Oh, but they're giving you X, Y, and Z. Okay. Well, X, Y, and Z, we could also get that through hips or through selecting your environments better. So it just, I liked the complexity of all of that. So I found that organizing dynamic aging in a way that I had already seen work for, you know, a thousand or 2000 goldeners, it was just the best way. I mean, it was just the way that I know how to teach that population. So I put it that way. Maybe there is a walk, just walk more program that's, that's successful. But in a different way, I'm not sure. But this is the way that has worked for me and made the most sense to me.
1: It seems to me this is perhaps your most directly practical book. You're specifically calling out activities like walking on cobblestones, which a lot of people who are retired might take a trip to Europe and be concerned about being able to get around on that kind of uneven urban ground. Or driving or going up and down stairs. Can you say a bit about why you, why you took that like direct, practical approach?
0: You know, this is about me being changed after movement matters mm. because movement matters. You know, I, I studied exercise science, biomechanics, these sciences, all sciences, they're, they're pulling elements out. And it's, and if you're a good essay to read right now, just to pause this podcast and go read is nutrient centric or nutrient dense, mm. we have gotten so we are depending so much on being told which elements of a thing are the good thing that we have forgotten that that the entire thing, that, that we need the entire thing. It's just that in the study that calls out vitamin C, it didn't also look at fiber. Right. It didn't also look at picking the fruit. You know, it didn't also look at the oil in it. Like, so what happens is when we get these, because the process takes so long of gathering knowledge. We're given one bit at a time that because, you know, if you wait a hundred years between the bits that you're given, you only know that the bit is good. And so then it, it, it reinforces the idea that you only need this bit. And so what has happened is that we believe that we need to exercise for our health. To be healthy, we need to exercise versus the idea that you need movement to prime your body, to be able to move for other things that you need, that, that being healthy is a very nebulous statement, like to want health outside of the experience that health can provide you, that, that we're not tying it to any sort of experience. You know, we're just like, Oh, I, 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 I exercise, therefore I am healthier because I did it. And so when you have that framework, a lot of times, people will say, I, "You know, they're athletes, or they, or they do these major physical feats, or they, or they just go to class every single day, and they they are healthier for doing it." And they'll say, "Yeah, the thing that I do, though, I got a stress fracture doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm healthy because they've defined healthy as doing it. They defined healthy as being brought by doing the exercise. It's not really relating to anything else any longer. Oh, well, I have." You know, I did get the stress fracture, or I'm having an organ organ prolapse, or and they know that that ties into how they're doing their activity to be healthy. They are, they can correlate the ill effects of the health back to the thing that they're doing for their health. But there's no cognitive dissonance there. They just want to get back to can I just heal this so I can get back to doing the thing that makes me healthy? I've <laughs> and seen they gave this so many stress fracture. Exactly. Yeah, I. I I have finally realized if we want to talk about I guess the evolution of thought or the development of a thought is like oh this is a side effect of being a nutrient dense culture mm. especially within the health culture is we don't see because you know we're say I want to be able to play with my grandkids or I want to be able to carry my child without you know pubic symphysis pain like we we have forgotten to tie our Pursuance of movement to something that movement then allows us to do that brings us joy. So that's the movement matters element. So, so now that I have that, I don't think I'll ever write a book just about finding your optimal alignment or, or 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 just to be general healthy. I'm always asking the beginning of move your DNA. I asked everyone not to take a piece of paper out. I'm like, write down your physical experience. Put Mm -hmm. it on paper. Because I would suggest the things that are on this piece of paper for you are related to the ways that you are and are not moving. So with Move Your DNA, it's a little bit different. It's like, did you want to go to Europe with your friends or your partner? But you can't because you're afraid that that you're not a strong enough walker. So therefore, you don't want to do this book just to be healthy. You want to do this book so that you are able to execute the things in your life that bring you joy or richness to the life, your experience. And so that's, that is why you will see things being framed in this way. Because I just think the eat, like eating and moving well, simply to quote, be healthy doesn't mean anything. Right. It just means that you're referring back to it's like, it's again, it's teaching to the test. And we have found that teaching to the test does not correlate very well to intelligence (laughs) or to the experience that one person has. It's just perhaps, easy. Right. And so I'm calling for an expansion of, of thought with my expansion of movement practice to start tying the two to like, what do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with it? And then start adjusting your program to match the things that you would like your program to be able to facilitate for you. So then you can then go into your, to your life and do those things. So you'll see that in dynamic aging for sure.
1: I feel like there is a a clear through line you know or or at least that move your dna and dynamic aging are are having a conversation with mm-hmm. each other do do you feel that way can you can you talk a bit about the connection you see between
0: those two books of which two move your dna, DNA and and dynamic aging yeah you know i it's so subtle in the move your dna there's like 30 or 40 positions of how not to use your chair mm-hmm. in dynamic aging it's like hey Why don't you sit in your chair a little differently? Or have you ever thought of sitting on the floor? Put a couple of cushions down there and sit on there, right? It's a, it's gentle.
1: Yeah. Or when you're getting out of your chair, you
0: think about maybe getting up this way. Exactly. Since you're getting up anyway. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and it's definitely about infusing your life with movement. It's not, there's again, there's, there is a, here's what you do for exercise. But again, these exercises plus you now thinking about having to move during your non-exercise time when you're standing in line or when you're getting up off of the toilet or off of your chair that you're doing it like you would do an exercise. Like we all so many people know that there's like you go to a personal trainer to help you with form for your exercises. We do just not we just don't think that form applies to anything else (laughs) besides our non-exercise time. So it's kind of like here's a form for for all the movements that you're doing. And once you do them, the cool thing is you'll be shaping your body in a way where movement becomes more easy and then you can start doing and then other things in move your dna like add texture and terrain you know those things are broken down as they relate to mechanotransduction and changes in geometry and very exercise science and dynamic aging it's like do you feel like like if you go to a park that park is not really inclusive simply because your body is only able to handle the flat cement part of it it would be really great if you could start working on the walking on the grass just next to it because that's going to challenge and move these other muscles which once you get home and you stumble on something now you are more tr- you're trained you're, you you are you are preparing for the fact that you are going to meet some lumps and bumps along the way so the idea that and i put the idea I'm like Right now, the idea in many therapies, occupational therapy, gerontology, again, uh, home health for this goldener population is make your house as obstacle-free as possible. Yeah. Not ever mentioning train for obstacles, Mm -hmm. but just get rid of them. Get rid of them so that really leaving your house becomes detrimental to your health because there's no one picking up obstacles for you outside of your house. And so that mindset to me is very, very narrow. And what happens is a cast. It creates a scenario where you are only safe within your home. And that's what I'm talking about. This lock. You lose experiences available to you by dealing with safety, not by not through your working with your physical robusticity and certainly becoming aware of obstacles and things but just eliminating them, eliminate all the dangers, just eliminate those in your bubble. And thus you have to stay in it. And I find that just having worked with a lot of populations, I was like the the people with that greatest mindset can't leave their home. Mm -hmm. They have to put their shoes on the first thing when they wake up, you know, it's like, so you, they're ending up less and less mobile rather than kind of offering practical, like Here's how to make your home more safe. And here's how to make your body more safe in and out of your home. So I definitely think that they can be paired up, but there is a prevailing wisdom that people just aren't going to do it. So the end. Right. So just give them the safety bullets. I was like, okay, well, well, I would say that based on the viewers of the Today Show that there's a lot of people who said there's something I could do to become stronger when I'm 60 or 70 or 80. I don't believe it. Are you kidding me? Yeah.
1: What? I have options.
0: Yeah. And yeah. so I just, I like, I like to keep everyone's options open and then they can experiment personally to see what's available to them.
1: You know, when we started this conversation, I was feeling like dynamic aging was, you know, cause we always bring it back to alignment matters and movement matters and kind of see where, where the book falls. And I was feeling like dynamic aging was kind of heavy on the alignment matters with a side of movement matters, but
0: now I'm thinking it's the other way around. What, what do you think? Oh, well, see, to me, it's the intersection of them. Mm. Dynamic Aging is the first book, I think, that's equally Alignment Matters and Movement Matters. You'll even see community. You'll see green space and nature and blue space. And I don't even know if this made it in. So I met Maria Shriver doing the Today Show. Mm-hmm. And Maria Shriver has a women's Alzheimer's, or I don't know if she, it's hers or she heads it or she's just on the board for research into why so many more women have alzheimers than men. And so she has a big event that I got to go speak on the panel for and bring my perspective into it. I could do a whole show. This would be a great side topic because I find it to be fascinating. So, this is about the difference between exercise. I mean, this is this is why this is why dynamic aging would be more movement matters. Mm. The thing that is most protective against Alzheimer's is I'll put air quotes around exercise I would say that it's movement right now the word choice is exercise but in further delineation because they find that for people who both have the same genetic precursors to get you know early onset or a particular type of Alzheimer's and other dementias if they get exercising they can maintain their brain mass where a loss of brain mass can be a hallmark of Alzheimer's versus a group that doesn't. Mm. So it's it's very protective. It is the single thing like yes there's all these other things that are popping up here and there but just get moving. Get exercising, right? And so exercise is a big push for this women's Alzheimer's agenda, their their outreach. It's just about you we have to get moving, which I agree. Right. They found that it wasn't exercise per se, but physical activity, specifically gardening. And then they also found some correlation between animal owning, dog owning. Uh-huh. And they're, so they're like, well, these are actually things that require movement, more complex movement than maybe just doing your exercise. And to me, that's that's what movement matters is about. That There is more richness to be found in non-exercise movement because of its happening within your life the fact that you're actually just getting more movement of you and then you're getting things like vitamin D from the sun and fresh air and who else, who knows what else from the from the earth and from dealing with plants things that haven't even been researched yet and so that's why you will see recommendations you know like i think the tire recommendations are you know get into a garden because it exercises you more it's like get into a garden because it allows for more non-exercise movement. Those are saying two different things Mm -hmm. Um, that it's, you know, so I like, there's a lot of that. um, The benefits just simply of being in nature, shinrin-yoku, being around trees and plants for healthy aging and stress management. There's one tip that I loved that came to me after Movement Matters that is in dynamic aging, which is, you know, there are simple things like don't use the Mm -hmm. drive-through. And we see don't use the drive-through as something that increases physical activity. But when you're dealing with a goldener population, they aren't only void of movement, they're void of others. Mm. When you walk into someplace, you get to make eye contact with somebody else. You get to have a conversation. When you don't use your ATM, yeah. when you drive in and talk to the teller, that's a physical connection. So one of the taxes of automation is not only the loss of physical movement, but the loss of all of the other variables that used to come packaged with it. Community, smiling. What happens when someone smiles at you? I'm sure there's research on being around other people, but it's not, you're not going to put it in an exercise book because this is only for physical activity. And I say no more from now on, I'm going to talk about all aspects of movement. And it's like, when you don't walk in, you don't touch anyone else with the hands. You don't touch anyone else with your eyes or in your smile. So I started to put all that into dynamic aging, just to say yeah you're going to go in you're going to go inside because it gives you more time to practice your standing alignment you get to connect with other people in your community and have a chance to use your voice and vocalize and talk and exchange information and you get your banking done right. all of that was more than your exercise so yeah movement matters and alignment matters together i would say in that book and maybe that's what makes it the best or the most robust and it's not even for I mean, everyone's aging dynamically. The book is for everyone. Mm-hmm. It's not for, for septuagenarians. Although, yes, the print
1: is a little larger and there's a little more sure. white space between lines, so it's accessible. But if you want to yeah. put it on the floor and do some of the correctives, it kind of doesn't matter what age you are, that
0: larger no. print is pretty handy. Well, does that, I mean, does fine print help anybody? <laughs> not that I've noticed. So, no. So it, it just...
1: It kicks the legs out from under you, from what I've noticed.
0: Yeah, yeah, and my dad—that was the first thing when he got the book. He's like, "Hey, he's like, this is so easy to read." And there was a, there was—I I said this. Danny and I did another. There's another podcast where the septuagenarian, my co-authors, are there talking about it. But that was there was some some really great research on how to organize bullet points and repeat main ideas mm-hmm. and bold things just for for ease of data. And we just we used all of those. I think it's probably the most thoughtful book. To date, where we've considered most the end user, so I I love that book, and it's probably why it's kind of outsold all, other books. all the others. I mean, that in the Today Show. Yeah, we, we, it's helped. only fair if all other books get on
1: the Today Show. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I'm I'm glad you mentioned your dad because he was one of the first people you gave a copy to when you got your your hands on your copies. Yeah, and he started using it right away. Did he not? He did. That's just
0: that's just the thing that I love best about him. I mean. I mean, he probably got the copy of that book 90 days before he died. Mm. He's already at this point, you know, he, he, this is so personal for a podcast, but I don't care. Like, uh, it's just because we should link, if we can, yeah, back to the Today Show piece, because yeah. that piece, that piece wasn't only on our book, it was on super agers, right? And they said that the hallmark of super agers. I'm paraphrasing, but it was, it wasn't like memory games. It wasn't that they were sitting and doing crossword puzzles and keeping their brain active is that they were doing new and challenging things that they would do the work. They would like, they, they would overcome whatever it is that resistance to getting started. They would just do it. And those people age really well. And that is definitely of the co-authors. that is their, that's what they did. Yes. It's the moves. But it's like it's that they all decided to study something in their seventies mm-hmm. and and learn a whole new set of language and work through the hard part to have their brain reorganize around that information. And my dad, who who died at eighty nine and three quarters, you know he he started playing the bagpipes when he was fifty, you know, and started playing the banjo when he was sixty. Like he wasn't ever afraid to do the thing. He's also was always always into health. My grandmother. So my dad, would, my dad would have been 90 in uh, June a couple weeks ago. It was his 90th birthday. His mother had him when she was in her like mid-30s, which oh, was kind gosh. of unheard of back then. So she was just old. She's been <laughs> old my whole life. She was like 85 when I was born. Anyway, she was a health... She was a supplement health food water junkie. Totally unheard of like in the... 40s and the 50s but he got that exercise every day my dad always exercised so my dad here he is he's you know he's 90 days from dying and he he's constantly kind of like he's he is ready you know he's ready to go is, mm-hmm. and and but at the same time he ordered the whole 30 he goes you know I got you he read my newsletters always he's like I followed your links on the newsletter and I got to this book by he's like heart heart wag heart. And I was like, Oh the, yeah. He's like "Heartwig." He's like whole 30. And he's like, I'm going to start that, you know? And so he was like regularly going in between like being ready to go, but like also ready to just do all the, th- I found a to-do list from him and it, it started, I mean, he had read half of the whole 30 and made notes of like, okay, these are okay. And like, he's like, I'm going to have to change everything. <laughs> I'm going to have to get this and that. And then he got dynamic aging and I put that in his hand and start exercise. I mentioned his to-do list because it was like, get back to an hour of exercise a day, which he did right up until maybe the last six months. Mm. Always a daily exerciser. He opened that book and he read, he read it. And I, you know, I'm here. I I was with him kind of all day in his apartment. I would just set up my office there just to always be there. And he, this is so him, he, would read, he read a section. He'd be like, huh. And he wasn't talking about it with me. I'm doing my work. He's just reading it. And then I just see him like kick his shoes off and like look down and like spread his toes. (laughs) And then he's like, go get me the, go get me that half, that half roll thing, which he always had. He would stretch that every day. And then he got up and, you know, he still had a, he had a walker at this point, but he's doing his calf stretch. He's like, I have something to roll my feet out. It's, you know, in, he always had, he, he had perfect brain function. He never yeah. lost any brain function. So he knew where everything was well, go get this and here. And he's rolling out his feet and he's ramping up his head. And he would do it as he would read. Like because I think that was the thing. When when he read some when he read there was something that would somehow Im- improve him or make him physically better, he would just implement it. Right. right then. He would just do it. Like there wasn't any oh that sounds like a lot of work. He just didn't have that personality. He hmm. was just Mr Three job. Six miles like he was just that guy. so yeah I was happy to have him read that book you know and and feedback as a nine year old that he could you know he's reading it himself yeah and at all he's like this spacing is great this font size is great and so it was uh, yeah it was good. I have pictures of him doing it which I won't share no but it's uh yeah it was pretty good
1: I but him. thank you for sharing this story. that's super inspiring and he was lovely. He was lovely. Yeah. All right, Katie Bowman. You and I right this minute, we're aging. That's true. You should get <laughs> so, up. <laughs> l- well, I'm up. You yeah. should get up. Let's let's age dynamically at least. Can you leave us with a a little something to do?
0: Leave us with a move? Mm-hmm. I think hands. Okay. Hands are kind of neglected, right? If you take your yeah. hands, so you've got your palms and then the other side of your palm will call that the back of your hand. So if you bring your hands, you know, if you put your hands together, kind of like a prayer hands in front of you, the palms are touching. So Mm -hmm. I want you to flip those around so the backs of the hands are actually touching.
1: Okay.
0: And then if you look down, the thumbs have to touch too. So it's not only the backs of the hands and the the fingernails of all fingers. Try to get the thumbs to touch. Wow. Once you have, well, I'm not done yet. Once you have that, (laughs) once you have those touching start lowering your wrists down towards the floor and see if you can get your wrists to about the height of your elbows. And as you do, you'll see what tension you've got in your forearms or shoulders or hands. And so this is one of those like dynamic aging things where like, oh, you just lose grip strength as you get older. It's like, okay. Or you've just been so tense through your forearms and your hands for so long and you don't use them for much except typing and you got yourself a an electric can opener when you were 35, you know, and you just, you just let all of those things stiffen and atrophy that, that they don't work anymore. Two different statements. And so we're just going to work on mobilizing the fingers and the thumbs and the wrists and the forms. This is also great for anyone who works on a typewriter, you know, to do every 10 or 15 minutes just for 30 seconds or so. So that's my that's my my tip for dynamically aging wrists and fingers and forearms and shoulders.
1: That's a good one. It's going to take me a long time to get the backs of my thumbs to meet each
0: other. Well, you're going to have to stop being a writer. No, Well, that's, that's not what, going to happen. I know. I'm so, going to do that stretch a lot. So you just need to add it in. You need to set the timer so that it comes up on more regularly. But yeah, it's like you'll notice that if you have keyboard hands, keyboard yeah. hands, you have like slightly extended wrists, slightly buckled fingers. And wherever your elbows are. And so you're almost de-keyboarding with that mm. particular stretch. So it's a, definitely a good one to put a little post-it on your your novel writing where and say, backs, like uh, stretch the backs of my wrist or stretch my wrist, however you want to phrase it to remember. That like one. write 25 minutes, five minutes of wrist stretching. I need yeah. notes everywhere. Or yeah. even just one, even just one minute. It doesn't have to be huge. I mean, even if you just took a break and did it for 10 seconds, that would be better and not doing it i would rather rather than you hold it for five minutes i would rather see that stretch sprinkled in every seven or eight minutes just for you know 20 seconds that'd probably right. be better more frequency
1: i can do that katie bowman
0: i know you can you can do anything
1: well i mean we'll see about that okay i can at least do that wrist stretch
0: Hokey dokie well we have been
1: talking about dynamic aging which Katie Bowman wrote along with Joan, Virginia Allen, Sheila Wilgus, Laura Woods, and Joyce Faber, known to us as the Sassy Septuagenarians. That book is available in paperback and ebook formats wherever books are sold, including, I should say, at nutritiousmovement.com, uh, where you will find them on sale through the end of August. Uh, with this handy code, podcast five, that's the word podcast and the numeral five with no space between them, you can take $5 off any of Katie's books uh, in paperback or ebook. So that's a great deal that is ongoing till the end of August. Uh, Katie, it is August. Where can people find you over the next few weeks or months?
0: You can find me in the woods a lot of that time, but I won't say where. If you stumble upon me, say hi. (laughs) September, I'll be, I'm doing two libraries, Squim Library, Friday Harbor Library. Those are both in Washington State, little talks and signings. I will be teaching at the Ancestral Health Symposium in Seattle, also in September, and then I oh, and then there is a Movement Matters Retreat also on the on the peninsula. I'm going to be in Washington a lot. Oh, Washington, all the time. Oh, Washington State at Fin River. That is a two day retreat. You can find more about that all on the calendar that's on my website. And then I'm going to New Zealand. So far, I'm teaching at the Ancestral Health Symposium in New Zealand, in Queensland. Queensland. I'm not sure exactly how to say it. You'll find out when you get there. Yes, I'm sure I'll be corrected (laughs) multiple times. And then I'll be doing at least one other thing. I still don't know what it is. We are working on that, but I will announce that here and also on the calendar and in my newsletter, which you can sign up for at nutritiousmovement.com as soon as I know. I think that's it.
1: Well, that's great. Uh, Next on our calendar, yours and mine, I think we'll talk feet. They are the foundation, as you remind us in each and every book of yours. So it's time to stop pussyfooting around, if you will. And and I know you will. And talk about whole body, barefoot and simple steps to foot pain relief when next we meet. How does that sound to you? That sounds great. I
0: feel like I always start at the feet. It's been kind of nice to come down to the feet. So, so yeah, it's going to be exciting. Thank you. All right. So if you are reading along at home, those are the
1: next two books to get into Whole Body Barefoot and Simple Steps to Foot Pain Relief. And uh, again, you can find them for $5 off at nutritiousmovement.com, which is also where you can find Katie's calendar with all those amazing events on it. And you can also sign up for our super fun and informative newsletter there, nutritiousmovement.com. This has been Between the Lines on the Katie Says Podcast. I'm Stephanie Domat. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you find the general information in this podcast informative and helpful, but it is not intended to replace medical advice and should not be used as such.